five, four, three, two, one. This is a podcast about some things, the number one podcast for some things, many things, and all things. I am your host, Gio, and co-founder of the podcast, Amon Khaled. And as always, I am joined by my co-host, the two live crew, my group chat extraordinaire, the other guy in the group chat I love to talk to, Coach Corey Lawson. You can follow him at Coach underscore Corey underscore fit. Um, not with us today is AKA AJ. Um, who you can follow at underscore AJ Takeover. He has some other things to do. Um, but we thank you guys for listening. This is the two live crew. Um, what's up, Corey? I forgot to let you talk. Um. <laughs> hey, man. Hey, two live crew. You know, we're run, run, running the uh, pick and roll tonight. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> we're running that Westbrook Harden duo right now. The LeBron. Hey, you know, it's a two-man league now. So, well, 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 you know, I, I think Tim Duncan is the GOAT. So I was going to say Tony Parker and Tim Duncan. but Yeah, you know, you know it's a two-man league. <laughs> it's, it's, it used to be a three-man league. At some point, it was a four-man league. But now we're a two-man league. And so we got to do it. Hey, and because it's a two-man league, I don't even know if they know what we're talking about. But we're talking about the NBA. And today's podcast is all about the NBA bubble, the NBA bubble life. Hashtag NBA bubble 2020. Um but before we do that, let me mention my, our social medias. You can follow us at AWASTHINGS, A-W-A-S-T-H-I-N-G-S. You can also check out our website at a website about somethings.com. But enough of that. Let's get into it. Um, there's so much to cover. Uh, it's been a long time since we've gotten basketball. And today officially marked the return of the NBA um, with scrimmages, which is really interesting. I took a look at those. Um, We'll get into it a little bit, but I do, before we get into everything, I just kind of want to recap how we got here, what's been going on for the past four months. Um, if you've been living under a rock, uh, we mentioned it in the first podcast a little bit, but if you've been living under a rock um, or a bubble, um, COVID has put everything on standstill, including the NBA. On March 11, 2020, um, the most unusual thing happened for um in my life as a sports fan the nba decided to just completely shut down in the middle uh of games in the middle of the night where games were taking place um and it all started because um rudy gobert tested positive for covid and at the time it was really something that like we weren't taking seriously uh it was just something that was out <laughs> in china obviously and happening in europe but when Rudy Gobert tested positive, I think it was the first time for all of us where we, I mean, at least for sports fans, where we started taking this thing somewhat seriously. I wouldn't say everyone was taking it seriously, but it was now in our heads, right? Like, and it was in our heads because it caused the most unfathomable thing, unfathomable thing to happen, right? It was, I mean, Nobody expects the NBA, a business like the NBA, to shut down. We've always lived with these cliches that um, 
the show must go on, right? You got to put the fans in the stands. The show must go on. It's a business. Things have to go. It's, you know, but it, it really showed us, you know, that, that period, it really showed us how fragile society is really, how things can just be taken away from you at an instance and something like the NBA, that's just a huge, you know, a huge business, something that's intricate in all of our lives, something that we love, something that we enjoy, something that we honestly took for granted, um, how easily it can just be taken away for something that's yeah. invisible, right? Like it's something yeah. that we don't even, we have no clue. We had no clue what it entailed, what damage it could do, how serious it was. So um, yeah, I mean. And, and what what's crazy too is, for people in our generation, right? If you're under 30, we probably, like, I don't remember the NBA strike of 1998, right? I don't remember the baseball strike of the 90s. So for a lot of folks, again, 30 and below, this is the first time we ever saw sports just stop. Yeah, and not just stop, stop abruptly in the middle of a season, right? In the middle, I mean, with labor negotiations, we have this, we have the premonition that something might not, you know, and we know that at a certain point it's gonna come back, you know, within a certain time frame, right? Like mm-hmm. they're all negotiating, things are gonna come back. But with this, it was just like it's done, right? We don't know when it's coming back. <laughs> we don't know if fans are ever gonna come back. And look, I vividly remember like people like LeBron talking about not wanting to play games without fans in the stands and how things are gonna be super different. And I just remember how I mean, even with like Rudy Gobert and kind of the rhetoric surrounding Rudy Gobert and the announcement, like um, when it got announced, we were all, you know, jumping to blame him, jumping to, you know, yes, yes, jumping to, I mean, and rightfully so, he did do some stupid things. Um, He, you know, like he coughed on all the reporters' microphones and he did laugh at the situation. So he did deserve some, um, (laughs) he did deserve some of it, right? But I think a lot of it stemmed from the fact that we were unknowing of what the problem was. We were kind of afraid, honestly. Um, And it was easy to chastise Rudy Gobert, right? Bingo. Well, especially because back then, the sentiment was not, hey, this thing is about to come take over the NBA. The sentiment was, wow, this guy's an idiot. Yeah, and so we laughed at him, right? And we, we, we blamed him for Donovan Mitchell getting COVID. We blamed him for Christian Wood getting COVID. Um, and it led to even things like, um, you know, reports that Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert had, um, you know, a rift uh, as a result of this. And so, um, look, we were looking at someone to blame and it's just kind of amazing to kind of reflect on that period and kind of, see how we chastised Rudy Gobert in March and kind of the confusion surrounding all of it. And now looking back and still kind of seeing how there is still all this confusion, even regarding with like wearing masks in public. And I don't know. So um, yeah, so that's kind of how the NBA stopped, right? That's the, that's the recap. Um, And so now it's been about, sorry, let me mute my computer. Sorry. Uh, now it's been about four months, approximately 133 days since we've seen basketball. Um, 133 days without basketball. NBA Twitter never rested, but we have missed basketball. <laughs> okay. There's still a lot of drama. There's always going to be drama around the NBA, but we've missed basketball. So 
Yeah, I mean, Corey, how are you feeling? Let's just, let's just get there. How are you feeling about the return of the NBA? Let's let's not get into all of the should this even be yeah, happening. Right. How we'll get into that in a second. But how are you feeling about this happening? Well, I'm just ready. I can't believe I'm this excited for live sports. I mean, if the NBA didn't get here, I was going to start watching baseball again. So just <laughs> the sheer prospect of having live games where I don't know the outcome and the current play, like, like I'm just ready for it. So, uh, I mean, I know there's exhibitions today, but once they start real games, I'm like, man, I know it's COVID, but my homie's got to come get a beer, <laughs> got to have beer at the crib and watch these games. Yeah. I mean, I, so I'm just ready. I mean, I'm just ready. I, I thought I was a sports fan before this year. I've never appreciated sports to this degree. So what have the what have the last four months been like for you as a sports fan, as someone who, I mean, I don't think you, I don't think like either of us necessarily are the person who needs to watch every single live game, right? Like I do like watching live sports. Um, right. Maybe more so, me more so than you, but yeah. now everyone lost everything, right? You don't get any live games anytime, anywhere. So, I mean, how have the four months been? Have you missed Man. sports? Has, yeah. has it changed the way you view sports? Or, I mean, what, what yeah. is it? What is, what is, what is so, it? What for me, it's, it's sent me down memory lane, right? It's sent me down YouTube watching old games where I know who's going to win. But it's just the prospect of seeing football again, seeing basketball again. So, man, I've probably watched five different playoff games of Peyton Manning during COVID. I've probably watched <laughs> four playoff games of Big Ben. Basketball, same thing. I mean, I've watched my guy Steve Nash going against the Lakers <laughs> in the playoffs. I've watched my guy Tim Duncan going against the Suns. So, if anything, it, it kind of improved my my recollection of the sports we grew up on. Like I got to rewatch Steve Nash, rewatch Kobe, Duncan, all of those guys. But at the same point in time, it gets old, right? Because oh, I see he's flexing the Kobe shirt. Okay, okay, he's got that Kobe number eight on. Okay, okay, hey, hey respect for all respect, the, uh, man. Respect. the audio listeners. I'm wearing a Kobe Bryant jersey, and he mentioned Kobe, so I'm flashing it right now. But and I'm just gonna say I'm happy because when we first started, I thought that was a Utah Jazz jersey. And I was I was debating not getting on this podcast, but as I was saying, yeah, I mean. It does get old because the difference with the old games is, yes, you can watch the X's and O's and the legends and you can love the game for the game, but there's that element of not knowing who's going to win the game and not knowing whose legacy is getting shaped tonight in this very game. And so for me, that's probably the biggest thing I miss about sports. Yeah, um, you broke up a little there, but yeah, I uh, I completely agree with you. It's made me appreciate um, older sports because that's what I've been watching. And I know that's something you do a lot more than I do, but that was something I never did in the past. And for the yeah. past months, uh, I've just been watching old NBA games and just trying to yeah. just trying to get into – and more recently because I'm really trying to get into the bubble mode and do my research. Oh, yeah. But well, I just want to say, too, for the listeners, if you're ever sitting there like, man, I wish I saw a player X, Y, and Z when he was, when he was playing, like, oh, I was too young for whatever legend – just go to YouTube, type literally, like, if you want to see Michael Jordan, type in Michael Jordan full playoff game. They have these games on YouTube. Same for type Spurs full playoff game, type Suns full playoff game. These games yeah. are out there for the free. Illegally, <laughs> but free. But free. <laughs> if it's on YouTube, it's legal. So. Hey, man. <laughs> um, but we mentioned that 
like there is a lot of drama surrounding the return. Um, but the NBA has proceeded with their attempt to resume the season by sending every competitive playoff team um, to Disneyland in Orlando, which is now being deemed the NBA bubble, um, if you guys didn't know. Um, so leading up to the resuming of the season, many have wondered whether this is a good idea because of the COVID situation. Um, you saw as recently as last month, people like Russell Westbrook and Nikola Jokic tested positive for the COVID. Um, and nobody even knows the lasting impact of this that it might have on the body, on the lungs, on the heart, um, how it might affect a high level athlete long-term. Um, there's all these health questions related to this, um, but I think, um, not to mention that there's also social justice issues surrounding the return. And um, obviously the current circumstances have forced NBA players to ask the question if this is a good idea to return. But I think ultimately, even with all of these concerns, even um, with the health concerns and the social justice concerns, the NBA is going to return. I think it's too soon now, um, yep. too close to you know the resumption of the season for it not to return. And I think it's going to finish no matter what. I don't think there's a single um, positive test that can derail this. I don't think, and even if LeBron tests positive for COVID, I don't think that's enough to derail mm. the NBA ending the season. So I think what, I mean, I think there is a situation where a lot of positive tests could potentially end it, but I don't know. It doesn't seem likely now because the NBA yeah. has taken a lot of precaution when it comes to um, testing and just the health of the players in the bubble and kind of limiting them to the bubble and to the um, resort that they're, they're living in. Um, but we'll get into that a little bit more. Um, I just want to say that even with all of these concerns, my personal opinion is that business is business and this thing is going to happen no matter what. Um, the NBA needs to make up for a lot of lost revenue with the China yeah. situation, which has just, you know, come up again with Mark Cuban and Ted Cruz and that whole thing. Um, and, you know, the NBA players need this because they've got families, they've got people to provide for, and, you know, they're worried about the salary cap and the future of free agency this thing has to happen from all sides. So even with all of the concerns, in my opinion, this thing is happening. This thing is finishing. And there's literally nothing that's going to derail this. It'd it be tough because there's just so much money invested into making this happen. And like you said, the lost revenue. So I think the NBA is kind of in a position to where once they decided to open this bubble and go forward, like you said, it was going to take a lot to cancel it. They, if they were going to cancel it, it would have happened a month ago. Now that everyone's in the bubble, man, it, it's going to take an act of God, knock on wood, for this thing to get canceled. Yeah. Um, and so it's happening, right? Like, it's happening. We're getting the NBA, I think. And before the NBA returns, before actual basketball has returned, the bubble has provided us with some great content. Uh, <laughs> first off, if you haven't checked it out, um, Matisse Thibel has a vlog on YouTube, which, you got, which everyone should check out, which kind of details um, – the ins and outs of the bubble and practice and stuff like that. It's just a great way to get a view of the inside from an NBA player's perspective. It's probably the best vlog I've seen. I saw JaVale McGee also had a vlog, which is cool. Um, but yeah, so you guys should check that out if you want more inside detail. 
Um, that's something I'm personally really loving about all of this is just like the behind the scenes stuff. Um, watching NBA players be regular people in a, in a normal environment. That's something that's super yeah. interesting. Um, but like even other little things like watching Chris Paul play cornhole or um, seeing all these teams going fishing and like hitting the theme park. Um, so that stuff has been really interesting to me. I don't know. Well, and, and two, I, I've always said I never understand why pro athletes don't have YouTube channels. And the one thing about the, the bubble and COVID, Corona, a lot of athletes are starting to make YouTube channels. A lot of star athletes, I mean, Cam Newton, Odell Beckham, Anthony Davis, a lot of these guys are making YouTube channels. And I'm like, man, if your salary is in the seven figures, literally pay somebody to just follow you around and edit the video. Like if you're an NBA player, you don't have to do any video editing whatsoever. And you could say it costs money, but you're also growing your personal brand. And that's for those guys, that's going to lead to money down the line, right? Like if Anthony Davis's YouTube channel gets him more fans, especially abroad, he's going to make money on the back end. So I've never understood why players don't do more of that. Yeah. And I, I want to actually shout out Jimmy Butler for that because he was the first person I think, or first NBA player I've, I know of that started a YouTube channel and it was about a year ago or two, two or a year or two ago. I don't know, but he posts a lot of like workout videos and stuff like that. So it's really interesting to see that perspective, especially from a guy who's like a superstar player, but mm-hmm. even for a guy like Matisse Thibel, who's a role player, a rookie, um, he's, his brand has grown a lot in, you know, just the past week, just detailing the bubble because he's been putting out these great videos. He's been putting out great content and he's marketed himself outside of being a basketball player, which in turn is going to help him as a basketball player. It's going to help him get better contracts. It's going to help him Mm -hmm. um, with teams being able to market him. And it's also going to help him with, um, you know, getting brand sponsorships outside of the league too. So you hit it right on the nail. I think obviously doing stuff outside of the league is important. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so I do have a bone to pick with these guys though, because oh no, I'm I'm just like not understanding how any of them can like not be enjoying this experience, right? Like this is the first time in a, in a lot of these guys' lives where they can just be normal regular people without mm-hmm. having to deal with their fans without yep. having to deal with T- family tickets. asking for tickets exactly yep. people asking for things um on top of that they get to live on a resort with the nba yeah. providing these guys with activities good good wholesome fun activities including like fishing golfing they got a whole theme park to use <laughs> And it's a break of the routine, too. Isn't that what every adult wants during quarantine right now? It's like, imagine if your job told you, you know what? I know you've been in the same house for the past four months looking at your roommates for the past four months. We're going to fly you out to Orlando, you know, and have this big, massive uh, (laughs) industry conference, essentially, in Orlando on a resort. Like, if nothing else, I get these guys have mansions, but if nothing else, it's a break from the routine. That's what I would – I would love that. I mean, I'm about to go look into the Airbnbs (laughs) because I'm going crazy. And I think a key word you mentioned is job, right? Like, they're getting paid to do this, right? Mm -hmm. Like, they're getting – they're getting to go on TV, do the thing they love, play basketball, be a normal person. So, I mean, I understand, obviously, it's not the life of luxury that they're used to, and there's things like – 
being put on house arrest by the NBA for not being able to go outside of the bubble. But honestly, I think that might have an effect on the actual <laughs> games, right? Like, Ooh, right? Like, yeah. okay, tell me, tell me Mike D'Antoni isn't relieved right now that he doesn't have oh, to. Oh, he won't, he won't say it, but yeah. deep down. Hey, he's relieved, hey, right? Like, he doesn't have to worry about James Harden going to the strip club after a game, hey. right? Yeah. Or like before a game, before the night of a game seven finals, right? Like the fact that the bubble fundamentally alters the private life of these guys has an effect on the in-game stuff, right? On their focus, on concentration, on being ready to go, on fitness levels. Man, that's you 100% right. If we had this in the 90s, we might have seen we might have seen peak MJ. Like, like there might be another <laughs> level of Michael Jordan we just never got to see. <laughs> I'm just throwing that right? out there. <laughs> like, a lot of these guys like LeBron and Harden, like, before the, before the start of the playoffs or whatever, they'll delete all social media, they'll delete all internet, all connections right. to the outside of the world. Well, they get that, right? They're getting that in the bubble. Every player is getting that. They, they, they get it. Yeah. And now, so, I, I, I do want to say, I, I thought of a theory as to why the players might not be enjoying this bubble situation. You ready sure. for this? Go for it. Now, look, I, I've had jobs. You've had jobs. Have you ever, you know, taken PTO and then had your manager call you halfway through the PTO? <laughs> like, you know, like, like, like in your head, you had, you know, two, three weeks off, right? Like in, in oh. your head, in your head, you were off. You were off, right? <laughs> yeah. For the foreseeable. And then next thing you know, here comes your manager. It's almost like, hey, man, um, you know, I, I, I didn't really want to call you, but, you know, we got something going on, you know, at, at the office. So part, that, that could be part of it too, man. A lot of these guys, especially, look, after the second month of quarantine, I wouldn't blame them if, if they thought the season wasn't happening. Now, no, I 100%. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I've had more, like, even just on the weekend, right? If my boss calls me up on the weekend, like, come in, I'm like, oh, God. So I can like, imagine man. being sent to Disneyland. And look, and look, 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 yeah, I mean, and, and people say, well, you know, they're pro athletes. They play a sport for fun. But but we're also assuming these guys stayed in NBA shape. <laughs> some some of these guys had to get back into NBA shape basically overnight. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> and so if you're listening, if you're listening and, and, and you know you go weeks without even working out, I don't want to hear you judging right now, okay? Yeah. Some of these guys had to get into NBA shape, uh, NBA shape overnight, you know? Some of these guys were like, look, you know, y'all sure y'all want to come back this year? <laughs> y- y'all positive? I'll be, uh, hey. I'm not saying names, but Kyrie. I'm not saying names, but... I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> no, you make a valid point, right? Like, who wants to... These, a lot of these guys expected to have vacation. They were on vacation. They were spending time with their families. So obviously that got interrupted, but business is business, you know, and it, you is, have- it is what it is. I get it. But, and, I, and I'm just making the case where people will say these guys get paid so much. But when I was in corporate America, the phenomenon I just described, i.e. getting called in on your day off, it didn't matter how much money people made. I've seen managers, managers, manager being upset about that. Yeah, no, it applies to everyone. <laughs> it applies to everyone. <laughs> Undoubtedly. Okay. Um, Okay, I also kind of want to get in. So I mentioned that um, I think the the impact on the on the private life is going to have an impact on the game itself. But also another thing I'm really concerned about is the lack of fans affecting the playoff atmosphere of these games. Right? 
Um, something I really look forward to in the playoffs is playoff atmosphere, crowds like Oklahoma City wearing, you know, all the same color, cheering, um, heckling players. I don't like, you know, obviously being yeah. disrespectful, but a good, a good heckle is nice. Yeah, waving, yeah. waving the towels, you know? Yeah, the good heckle is nice. So I'm going to miss a lot of that, and it's going to be really weird seeing – a, a finals game just be the same as like a one of these play-in games, one of these A play-in games with the atmosphere being like almost exactly the same. Um, it's going to feel a lot different. It's going to be weird not having Mike Breen's bangs or I don't know. It's just, it, it doesn't feel, I don't know if it's going to feel like the playoffs and that's something that's. We can, yeah. We can answer that. Right. It's not going to feel like the playoffs. Yeah, <laughs> we can answer that. It's just not. And so it's troubling, right? Like, I don't know. It, I think it might have an effect on views, maybe on ratings. I don't know. Something good. Something about the present presentation of an ABC broadcast uh, for a finals game means a lot to me. And yeah. I just can't get past that. So but but also we know presentation matters just by looking at baseball and hockey. Right, those are two sports where even the diehard fans will tell you they're like, "Man, I love going to the stadium watching the game." Television, eh, take it or leave it. Right? Yeah. So we've already seen examples in other sports where it's like they can't figure out the TV presentation, and therefore ratings take a hit. Yeah. I mean, again, even in baseball, like attendance, like attendance at games hasn't really declined baseball is making money off ticket sales but they can't get people to watch the games yeah um 100 and um i mentioned these scrimmages right and so another concern i have i don't know if you saw it but the court is like super wide and so i don't know if you've ever played on like a <laughs> on a court that the lines are too small for the actual court so like you have no relativity of where the lines are on the court I think it might affect – I don't know how it's going to well, affect professional players, but, look, from my amateur experience, it affects me. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw it out there. Well, I would argue on your side because if you, you go back to that Ray Allen shot uh, from a few years ago with Miami Heat, if you rewatch that shot, when he runs to the three-point line in the corner, he never looks down at his feet to see where his feet are. Yeah. He just – it was complete muscle memory. He's running, he's running to the quarter looking for a pass, never looks down, and his feet are perfectly planted. You don't have that this year. Yeah, and so it gets back to, like, this big idea of, like, all these little things affecting, affecting play, outcomes. right? Like outcomes, outcomes, affecting outcomes. And it gets, it gets back to the asterisk argument and whether – I don't think the asterisk argument really is whether something is easier or harder, but whether it's consistent. And so right. it's different. Yeah. And so for me, this is really different for all those, for all the big things, but also all these little things that for me are going to impact the game, impact the players, because we really don't view um, sports at an individual level, but the NBA gives us a great opportunity because it presents their individuals in a great way. And so um, I think that's something we just have to be cognizant of, right? Like the individual effect the bubble is going to have on these guys. Um, I agree. And, so, and I think you make, you make a good point about it. it's just different. And yeah. how we choose to treat different, I don't know. Yeah. Um, 
but a positive effect of the NBA bubble is that a lot of these guys are using their platform for um, good. And so I don't know if you noticed, but I think like four so players, CJ McCollum, Tobias Harris, um, I forgot the other two, um, took, used their platform and shouted out um, the BLM movement and, you know, kind of made a point about the Breonna Taylor murder and how the police officers have not been arrested yet or have not been charged with murder. So um, that is a positive aspect for the return of the league and something that while there were concerns about the social justice aspect of this, um, it is nice to see that the players are using their um, platforms and ways to advocate advocate for stuff they like, um, stuff they're interested in, stuff that they're passionate for, something that directly applies to them. Um, and yeah, so I, I just think that's something that was, I think the concern was quelled a little bit with the, with the bubble actually happening now. Agreed. Um, but yeah, so let's let's get into before we get into the preview. I know we always do this before we get into the preview. <laughs> let's let's review before we do the preview. Okay, so what has been going on in the NBA? Okay, um, it's been four months. We don't know what's been going on. We probably forgot a lot. Um, so let me just recap for a little bit. Um, okay, so let's start with the Toronto Raptors, who are somehow still the reigning NBA champions, which if you told me that two years ago, that the Raptors... the North. <laughs> it's crazy, right? Like, first off, we never expected them to become the champions. But then on At top all. of them being the single season, like, longest reign because of the COVID stuff, they've lasted longer than they probably should have, or maybe they... Maybe not. I don't know. We'll see. But it is interesting, right? The Toronto Raptors are still our champion um and it's been a year since Kawhi announced that he was going to the clippers and it really doesn't feel settled so um yeah just just for the time aspect let me put that in perspective um and okay so let's move to the west um it's led by the lakers much to my chagrin uh lebron has been resurgent this year after missing the playoffs last year um and the lakers are led now by ad and lebron um, they're the one seed. The Clippers got Kawhi and PG, as I mentioned, um, but they haven't been as good as expected, and they've only played 18 games thus far, uh, totaling roughly 461 minutes played. Uh, the Rockets in mid-February traded their starting center, Clint Capella, to go small, and now are trouting out a lineup that's 6'8 and below. Um, they don't, they're not going to play a center. They're not going to play a seven-footer. Interesting, to say the least. Uh, the Nuggets and the Jazz are who we thought they were. Nothing the new there. Um, Luca, Zion, and Ja Moran are the new crop of guys in the West. Um, they're about to take over soon, but probably not this year. Devin Booker isn't quite there yet. Uh, the Blazers and Spurs ain't what they used to be. And the West is what the West is. We all know what they are. It's pretty much the same thing. Some new teams there, here and there, but um, not much has changed on the West front. The East. Okay. The East is again led by the Bucks and Giannis. And they're on pace to break all uh, offensive ratings and defensive ratings records. And yeah, so they're a really good regular season team, but we still don't know how good they're going to be in the playoffs. Um, the Raptors, despite losing Kawhi, have been manned by Pascal and they're being consistent. They're um, challenging, but we still don't know without 
Kawhi and you know that's a whole situation. Uh, Celtics took another step, um, applied the Ewing theory, got rid of Kyrie, and now Jason, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown are taking his next step, and they're becoming also level players. They also had Kemba, Gordon Hayward's getting healthier, so they look good. But we're still concerned because they don't have an elite, elite player. Um, whoa, 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 whoa! Jason Tatum disrespect will not be tolerated. Please continue, but I. Hey, when, mm, I'm gonna get back to this in a second, but I th- hey, that's why that's why I qualified with elite, elite. Okay, I said two elites. <laughs> I don't know if you've done elite. <laughs> okay, all right, all right, all right. We'll get it. We'll get into it. We'll get into it. We'll get into it. We'll get into it. Proceed, proceed. But we'll it, it, was, it. it was close. It was close. Um, proceed. The Heat added Jimmy Butler. Bam out of bio. Out of bio took a next step, and they're really good. Better than expected. Um, Pacers have been hindered by the fact that Vic Depot has um, been hurt all year, but they've surprised. They have stayed in. Um, the Nets added Kyrie and KD, but they're still a year away. And so that's basically the situation with the East. A lot of interesting teams. Looks like the Bucks are the favorites, but there is a lot to be played in the East. Um, yeah. Any thoughts? <laughs> Look, I see some parallels, all right, because, you know, my guy, Timmy Duncan, I think he was 22 years old during the lockout season and uh, snuck up on the league, led the Spurs to a championship. Don't rule out Jason Tatum. I keep going back to Jason Tatum. It's a chaos year. It's an anything-can-happen year. And you know what? Quite frankly, we said earlier, some of these guys are trying to play their way back into shape. I kind of like having some young legs, some fresh legs, man. Don't sleep on Jason Tatum. In Boston. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> We're going to get into our predictions later on whether Boston. So you're, you're going to have a chance to back up this Jason Tatum love. Don't, I'm going to put it on you. Don't worry. Okay. 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 The NBA also announced that the regular season awards were going to be determined by the season that had, by the season that had occurred before the stop, before the stoppage. Sorry. I said that's so weird. Um, <laughs> so let's get into our awards um, real quick. Um, they're not that hard, but I'll tell you mine if you have any concerns or any, uh, you know, thoughts, jump in. Okay, so MVP, pretty straightforward. It's Giannis, right? It could have been LeBron if the season had gone longer. And shout out to LeBron. He really did a lot this year. Um, but Giannis is by far the best player on the yeah. best team. And his he's progressed this year. Yeah, the Bucks have actually gotten better. And so you can't really take – much away from it. If you're still getting better yeah. and you won the MVP last year, it's got to right. be honest. Well, and especially because his co-star is not Anthony Davis. Yeah. So we're saying most valuable. Like, I, I'm going to tell my kids in 20 years, I'm going to say, look, Giannis went back-to-back in MVPs. He should not have won the first one, but he deserved the second one. That's what I'm going to say. Agreed. And uh, I think Harden obviously deserved it last year, but that's the homer in me, so – I forgot to mention, I should have mentioned this at the beginning of the podcast, and as we get further into this um, preview slash review, uh, you're going to have to check my homerism on the Rockets a lot going forward. So I'm just going to let you know, there might be homerism, you're going to have to check it. Don't worry, because I, I, I balance it with some Houston sports hateration. Okay, okay. <laughs> All right. All right, let's move on to the sixth man of the year. Uh, who cares, really? But... I don't really know that many great six men. There was like Montrez Harrell, and uh, I don't know. I don't even know if Lou Williams is considered a six man. But my my vote is for Derrick Rose because 
even though he's not really a six man, he did come off the bench this year. He was very good this year. He had a resurgence. So, and he was my favorite player of all time. Um, I have an email named after him. So, that's the real homerism. <laughs> For the viewers at home, don't let him trick you. It's not the Rockets he's a homer about. It's Chicago everything, but we're, yeah. we'll we'll get to that, especially <laughs> when when football gets here with Mid, with Mitchell Trubisky, oh, money Mitch, okay. well money Mitch, anyway, <laughs> Depoy. Who cares again? Um, if you ask me, it's PJ Tucker, but it's probably going to go to Gobert or AD or AD because they're big guys. Again, check my homerism, but PJ Tucker is one of the best defenders I've seen. I love the way he plays defense. He just does everything, and you're asking this guy. For me, this guy is being asked the most out of on defense out of any player in the league. So um, he's having to guard big men. He's having to switch. He's having to guard the best player on the team. It's unreal what he's being asked of, and he's doing it very well. He's anchoring that Rockets defense yeah. again. So, wait, isn't isn't that what we want from defenders in the modern game? Is can you switch on everything? Can you guard the best player on the wing? That's the modern game. Yeah, and PJ Tucker. Um, as that and for guys like AD and Gobert they don't really get out on the perimeter and I saw guys like Russell Westbrook eat them up so that's right um I don't know but you you know why this happens like historically it's my (laughs) my issue with blocks is okay cool you average two blocks a game congratulations that's two possessions yeah. <laughs> That's two possessions. And we don't even know if that possession results in you getting the ball back, right? Like you we don't just know off, that at all. the ball out of bounds. You could have blocked it to the yeah. guy, and they just got an easy putback. So I never uh, understand blocks and steals. I'm like, you get two a game, great. We play defense 60 possessions a game. So yeah. those two possessions make you the best defender? Come on. I, I, I've always hated those, those, those metrics. Yeah, and it's historically always gotten to big man, so I don't really know. Yep. But P.J. Tucker, for me, deserves it, so that's who I'm going to give a shout-out to in that regard. Um, most improved player. Again, I'm a, I'm a Pelicans fan, a Zelikans fan, sorry. Um, so you got to check my homerism on all three. But, oh. Oh. So all of these have been, I think, homer picks out that I think about it. But <laughs> yeah. Brandon Ingram, for me, is the most, most improved player. And look uh, – from, there's a lot of good candidates for this one. Uh, Bam Adebayo, Luka Doncic, your favorite, Jason Tatum. Um, but for me, it really it's really about where Brandon Ingram was at last year. And so for, for many of us, we felt that Brandon Ingram was never going to solve um, his issues. He was never going to figure it out. Um, he looked kind of hopeless with the Lakers last year. And then he got traded to the Zelikens. And the system switch obviously was a help. And he's had a mentality switch within himself, I think, because of the trade. Um, And he's just been more aggressive. He's been more willing to play within the system. He's been a great scorer. He's been great from three. Um, He's been a good teammate. Um, And so it's Brandon Ingram for me. Uh, Well, I want to say two things about that. One, you know, we always make the assumption that LeBron makes makes teammates better. And I think in large part it's true, but the part we leave out is it really depends on which teammate, right? Like, did he really make Brandon Egram better? I think we have evidence of the opposite. Did he make Kevin Love better? Again, I think we have evidence of the opposite. So that, that, that's the one kind of citing. Chris Bosch, too. Chris Bosch, too, right? So I think it depends on which player we talk about. Um, the second thing I'll say to that, too, is when we talk uh, most approved player, I – 
I'm okay with it not being Jason Tatum, but I do believe if the season continued, I think Tatum would have ended up winning that award because Boston could have finished as a top two seed. And one of the last games we saw was Boston against L.A., Sunday afternoon basketball. And I watched that game on that particular day. Jason Tatum was the best player on the floor. He outplayed A.D. He outplayed LeBron James. He was coming into his own, and then we went into quarantine. So, yeah, I, I really think Tatum was on his way to win most improved, maybe even get some MVP buzz, maybe a top three, top four finish in MVP. But the time ran out on him. Yeah. Um, and that's not even to say that Brandon Ingram is actually the most improved player. For me, the award is a lot about um, – where you were in the past season or where the perception of you 100%. Were. And so guys like Luca, Jason Tatum, um, Pascal Siakam, they're for me in, automatically disqualified solely because they were, I mean, Brandon Ingram was a top pick, but they were top picks whose potential continued to rise throughout the years. Whereas Brandon Ingram's was more rocky. So I just think he deserves credit for figuring it out. And that's what I think the most improved player award is for the guys who, who figure it out, right. Yeah. Clicks for them. Um, and yep. obviously your point about Jason Tatum is a hundred percent true. This guy is looking like the next superstar in the league. Um, Man. He looks like in the playoffs, he could Man. take that step. I just there, don't know if there he's there were... yet. It's close. It's very, All I can he say looks is... like it, but you got to do it for a whole year. You can't no, just, you do have to do it. You, you, you got to do it for – it's got to be a full year, and we got to see it in the playoffs too. But all I can say is I remember my roommates and all, all watching that L.A.-Boston game, and we had watched a few Boston games leading up to it. And the rest of that Sunday, we were like, are we sure Tatum's not top ten? Yeah. Are we sure he's not close to top five? Are hey, we positive? And let's not forget, he's done it in the playoffs. He dunked on LeBron in a game seven in the I remember. finals. So yeah. let's not forget that. That's fair. That's <laughs> fair. That, that's fair. I, I guess I just mean if he kind of has that, no, that no, playoff I push. I mean, God forbid if Boston wins the East, it's over. It's an entire summer worth of Jason yeah. Tatum articles. Jason Tatum needs to prove in the playoffs that he can be the best player on, on his team and lead them to playoff wins. He was obviously helpful in that um, two years ago against Cleveland, but he wasn't Bingo. the guy, right? Like Horford Bingo. was the guy for them. He Bingo. needs to prove that he can be the guy. Um, yeah, so let's move on. Uh, rookie of the year, it's going to be Ja Morant. I think it should be Zion, um, but it's going to be Ja for the same reason that MVP is Giannis. Just – it's an evaluation of what's happened. Zion yep. didn't have enough time. He's, for me, obviously, I think he's the, the best prospect in the league. Um, I think he has the most potential in the league over anybody, over Luka, over Jaw, over, I don't know, a lot of guys. But um, what Jaw has done this year for the Grizzlies, taking them into the playoffs, um, it's totally deserved. Uh, and he is – it's deserved and it's not like Zion has done enough to take it away from him because it's so deserved. Um, so right. I'm going to give it to him. Um, and you've, you've got to play the games. It's fair. Yeah. It's only fair. It's the same reason Kawhi has never won an MVP award. You've got to play the games. Yeah. Um, coach of the year for me is Spo. Uh, it could have been Billy Donovan. They're really close. The Heat and OKC are very similar in terms of um, where they are at 
in terms of like progress because a lot of people felt like they weren't going to be playoff teams or they were going to be fringe teams. Um, but they've done a lot better than expected. The reason why it goes to uh, Spolstra for me is because the Heat are a more legitimate contender than the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, and so I just have to give it to the guy who's made the better team, I guess. Um, despite the fact that Billy Donovan has done a really great job with the Thunder, um, and he deserves a lot of credit. So, can, can, can I give two people that deserve to be in the conversation? Sure. One, and I promise to the listeners, I'm not a Boston Celtics fan. I promise. I do live with a roommate who's born and raised in Boston. But I got to say Brad Stevens, right? Like, I know that me and you don't think Kyrie is that great, right? But you got to understand, the Celtics lost Kyrie Irving and are actually a better team this year. So, yeah. for me, he's got to be in that conversation. Brad Stevens does. Uh, and then number two, what about Mike Malone with Denver? Definitely. Um, and he and Mike Malone's a little bit of uh, a disqualification because of how well the Nuggets were last year. They were the one seed last year, okay? So we I, I, oh, oh my god. This this quarantine is so long, I actually forgot they were the <laughs> That's one crazy. seed. They I were the one seed. They were they were the most disrespected one seed <laughs> I've probably ever yeah. seen. I mean, it wasn't disrespect, it was disrespect. It's either that or that Atlanta Hawks team with that Jamal <laughs> Carroll and Kyle Corver and all of them. You remember that team? That team was like, all right, they're the one seed, but we know LeBron's better than y'all. Like, you guys stand no chance. Um, another name I'll throw out there is Taylor Jenkins, the head coach of the Grizzlies. They're a playoff team, and they really shouldn't be. So, um, but I don't know. It's Spolstra for me. He deserves it, especially after all the shit we gave him from Miami and him being a bad coach. Yeah. And, um, whoa, 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 what is this we? I've, oh, I have been – I, you know I've been capping for Spolstra uh, yeah. in, the group, in the group chat since those days. Yeah, he, you, you definitely – know that. You have definitely been calling Spolstra a good coach, and I have been wrong. I've, I've been calling him top five since – Yeah. I, I've been on that hill. I've, yeah. I've had a flag on that hill. Fair. So, no, I agree. 100%. You're right. Um, okay. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. I admit, I'm, I admit it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just happy he got to show it because some of, the, some of the stuff he was doing in Miami that we just don't necessarily care about when you're watching a live game. But it's like, I mean, defensively, anytime teams tried to run pick and roll, Miami was just, they called it blitz in the basketball. It was like, oh, you're doing pick and roll? We're not switching. We're just going to double team the ball handler. And get and create turnovers i mean and then on offense right the five out offense especially yeah. in 2012 a lot of teams yeah. were still playing with two guys in the post as recently as 2012 miami was like you know what we're gonna put all five guys outside the three-point line and this is gonna be this is gonna be the offense to hell with conventional wisdom so a lot of times we look at it and we say well the warriors changed how teams play offense but you got to put miami in that conversation too and that's where I give credit to Eric Spolstra. He looked at his personnel. He was like, LeBron, D-Wade, they like to drive. Well, why the hell would I put guys in the post? It sounds simple today, but in 2011, 2012, people were like, Spo, what the hell are you doing? Until it worked. Yeah. No, you make 100%. You make a great point. Um, he's an innovator. He deserves the award, and I think it's well-deserved. So, um, But let's move on to our predictions, right? Like, we don't make enough predictions on this podcast. We're going to keep trying to do it. 
Um, we love making predictions. We love making hot takes. So uh, this is our arena. This is where we, you know, shine and we need to do it more. So we're going to, we're going to give you our review, our prediction of what's going to happen. Um, and I'll just start. Okay. I'm going to start with my playoff tiers. And these are the tiers of teams who can potentially win the championship. Okay. Of all the teams who are in the bubble. Okay. So I'm going to start with the guys who are simply out of the league, right? Like they don't got no chance. They don't got enough roster talent. They don't got enough elite talent. They don't got nothing, right? They're just here. They're just here to play games, have fun, enjoy life. Yeah, they're gonna you know. be. They're gonna be out in eight games or yeah. in a series. Okay, the Phoenix, Phoenix, Spurs, Memphis, Brooklyn, Orlando, Indiana, Oklahoma City. Now, unfortunately, I'm gonna have to throw the Pelicans in there without Zion. Okay, if Zion comes back, he might move to the next tier. But right now, they just don't have enough. They might make the playoffs, but they're going to get swept by the Lakers in the eighth seed. Um, the reason for these guys being in this tier is pretty simple, as I explained. These guys don't have a lot of top-tier top talent. They don't have a lot of roster depth. Um, they're good. They've had good seasons, but they're just out of, you know, yeah. Well, and I mean, historically, NBA, if you don't have a single star – and I, and I mean a true, like a, a true proven star, right? Like if you don't have that, you, you can't win it's the a championship. Pre, it's a prerequisite, prerequisite to a championship. It's a prereq. <laughs> yeah, you got to have at least one dude. And if yeah. you don't, you can't win a title in this I, league. Yeah. You just can't. And sometimes, and most of the time, you need more than one dude. And these guys, that's right, barely have one dude, if if that. Um, and that leads me to my next category, uh, next tier. And we were talking about being one dude and that's why these guys are pre pretenders because <laughs> um they do have some dudes but just not enough roster depth um these dudes aren't good enough yet they could be in the future um they could have a, a special playoffs but barring something crazy these guys just you know to me they don't have enough and that's dallas and portland they got luca they got damian they got Kristaps, they got yep. cj but Dallas doesn't have a great roster. Portland has an okay roster, but they just haven't done it this season, and they're just not good enough this year. So, um, yeah. to me, they're out pre-pretenders. They're a little bit better than the other guys, but not by much. Um, yeah, and, and I, I would piggyback on that, too. I don't know what Portland's missing piece is, but I just, again, when you talk about championship basketball, I don't like when your best player is under 6'6". I just don't like it again, historically in the NBA and not even just NBA history. Think of recent years who wins championships, Kawhi, six, seven, KD, seven feet, uh, LeBron, six, nine, right? Like Kobe, six, seven, six, eight, uh, Shaq, seven foot. So I just, I can't figure out how Portland fixes that situation. But when you're two, when you're two guys are both, you know, six, three and below, it just history doesn't agree with that being a championship yeah. a championship formula and Portland for me is also a team that's like you know it when you see it right like on paper yeah. they do have a lot of talent but we know it when we see it right like they're just yeah. not a championship team they could do playoff damage but then they haven't taken that next step to be a championship contender um and that's what a lot of these guys in the next category are too pretenders um, these guys, ultimately, they do have really good rosters. They've had great regular seasons. 
They could make some damage in the playoffs. They could probably get to a Western or Eastern Conference Finals. But ultimately, I don't think their elite stars or their superstars are that elite. And I think as a prereq, you need an elite top five guy, a guy who's going to win you games in the playoffs. And these guys, they have some, they have, they have players who, you know, exude some of those qualities, but just not enough, not at all times. Um, And yeah, so those guys are for me, Denver, Utah, Miami, Toronto, and Philly. Um, Denver, obviously they have Jokic. I love him. I love his game, but he's just not a playoff threat yet. Although it can be interesting. Yeah, and you have to feed him the ball, too. I don't like that, especially in the yeah. modern game. Um, Utah, they've got, you know, Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, but those guys just aren't yeah. good enough. Good yeah. Miami's got Jimmy and Bam. They've got a good roster, but those guys just aren't elite enough. Uh, Toronto's got Pascal, could take the next step, but not there yet. Not yet. Think. And can't do it by himself, I don't think. Uh, and Philly, they've got Embiid and Simmons and some all-star players, but they're just not there yet either. So um, they're still closer don't, than most, yeah. but they're still pretenders to me. And I, I still don't think uh, Simmons and Embiid fit. I, I still don't think they're going to – I don't think the two of them together are going to win a championship. I still think you have to pick one. Yeah, I agree. Uh, they are both show similar skill sets, and when you guys – when you have two players who need the ball in their hands and don't have similar skill sets, you have to build a great system around them. And that is not what Brown has done. You have to. Or you got to be like LeBron and D Wade and just both be top three. Yeah. And Simmons and Embiid, they're not that. I don't see a scenario where both end up in the top three active players either. So, yeah. Um, So they're, for me, pretenders, they could make some damage, but I really don't see it. Okay, pre-contenders now. Now, these guys are guys who, look, don't be shocked if they make an NBA Finals, right? Don't be shocked. Um, And so I was debating putting Philly in this category, but ultimately I leaned to putting pretenders. And there's only one pre-contender for me, okay? And Corey's going to love this. It's Boston, okay? (laughs) Um, These guys, they've got great rosters, incredibly young talent. They've got a guy who could maybe – uh, win playoff games we don't know uh, yet got some all-star they've got some all-star talent they've got great coaching they i mean boston is boston you've got to be careful about them and and they're gonna play defense by the way yeah and so and we don't even know maybe jalen brown and jason tatum took took a step in this past three months and mm-hmm. past four months and they're better now so we don't even know um they're just there's a lot of question marks with boston um they've got a lot and, uh, you know, they could pull a coup. They could, they could, you know, we could be talking about them uh, come the end of October or whenever the finals finish. Uh, and <laughs> I, don't, I don't really remember where the finals finish, but we could be talking about them um, as champions. And I would, you know, I just want to say two things. A, you're assuming that I like you putting them in the pre-contender, pre-contender <laughs> category. I'll have you know, sir. I am offended. I do not like this. They should be in the contender category, first and foremost. (laughs) Second of all, I want to throw out a scenario, right? I always talk about, I always say, we hype these young stars before they actually earn it, before they actually win games in the playoffs. 
how are we going to handle this if Boston beats Milwaukee? Oh. How are we going to handle this? Because everyone is anointing Giannis as the future of the league, the baby Shaq, the next big thing. Some even say he's the best player in the league. How are we going to handle this? If, if, yeah. Boston, if Boston beats Milwaukee, say Tatum averages a clean 25-8-6 for the series and they beat Milwaukee, are people going to go ahead and say maybe we're wrong about who the best player in the East is? I know it sounds like I'm a Jason Tatum <laughs> homer, but I'm just throwing out a scenario. I mean, it happened Kyrie, right, uh, when he won the finals. We, we, we made him a top two player, even though Bingo. he probably wasn't. Um, I don't think it'll – I think the real question you should be asking is, if Boston beats Milwaukee, what does it mean for Giannis and his future? Because obviously at that point he's thinking, well, the Celtics are the future. Right. And I don't, know, I don't know if the Bucks are going to be able to put enough around me get past Boston so I might have to take myself That's, somewhere else and you know start figuring these things out on how to get a championship um, that's a good point that's a good point I mean and that's to your point about other angles guys on Milwaukee have to show out in this postseason because you're officially playing the game of we've got to get Giannis to resign we've yeah got to get him to extend his contract yeah and um there's obviously a lot of unknown with the COVID stuff and the salary cap. So, I mean, a lot is unknown with Giannis, but I know for a fact if Boston beats them, it ain't good for them. It ain't good for Milwaukee. So, <laughs> at all, uh, at all. So, they got to They got to keep. Uh, they got to keep Boston in check, um, mm-hmm. and I think particularly Boston. Um, but let's move to the final category, and these, as you mentioned, are my contenders, and there's only four of them. And again, you're gonna to have to check me on my homerism here, but I'll, I'll make oh, my case. God. I'll make my case for folks. I see the list. Oh God, go I'll ahead. Make, I'll, I'll go make, ahead. I'll why, don't you, mm, why don't you start with the team that you know is the homer? You can go ahead and start with them, please. Obviously, the Rockets are in the contenders now. Now, the, <laughs> obviously, the Rockets. Oh, good God. Oh, good. But then grief. now the three are the Clippers, the Lakers, and the Bucks. And look, look. Let me just make my oh, case. Oh my God! Please do. Okay. Please do, and please somehow answer how the Rockets get more respect in Boston while you make the case. But go ahead. For me, this all boils down to elite players and the best eight theory, okay? My theory is that playoff success is largely dictated by the best eight guys in the rosters, right? Rotations get limited in the playoffs. Star players usually play most of the game, and the margin for error is significantly smaller in the playoffs, okay? So I'm looking at these teams, and I'm evaluating the best eight guys on these teams, the best eight rotations. I don't really care about quality of depth who the 10th guy is. Um, I really don't care about a lot of stuff. I really think a lot of this is determined by what rotations you can put out and how consistent those rotations can be. And for me, the Rockets have the best eight guys in the league. And I'm going to throw it out there. In the league? In the league. In the league? Harden, Westbrook, Eric Gordon, P.J. Tucker, Robert Covington, Daniel House, Austin Rivers, Ben McLemore. Oh they don't God. miss. All those guys can play. Oh my if you God. look at the Clippers, they're going to put out guys like Mo Harkless, Joe Kim Noah. The Bucks are going to put out guys like Pat Connaughton and Dante DiVincenzo. <sighs> the Lakers are going to put out guys like JaVale McGee and Alex Caruso. 
But ultimately, the seventh guy on this team is Austin Rivers. And he's a good player, man. He's a fantastic player. And I'm not so concerned about the fact that they don't have post rim protection. Uh, I I saw the playoffs for the past four years. I've seen what the Warriors have done with Andre Iguodala and the fact that they knew the Rockets know what it takes to win in the playoffs, and that's wing depth, and they have it. Stop, please, 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 please. What the Warriors did with Andre Iguodala or what they did with Kevin Durant and Steph Curry on their team in their prime? Hey, man, they won a championship without Kevin Durant. And Iguodala won finals MVP. And Robert, a champion, Covington, a, a and Robert Covington is a lot oh like Andre Iguodala. But, but, but see, here, here's my issue, right, with your eight-man theory. The two best examples of this involved the opponents getting injured. You say the 2015 Warriors. Well, I say Kyrie and Kevin Love didn't play in the finals. You might say the 2019 Raptors. I say Kevin Durant and Klay Thompson both went down in the finals. Well, my, I think I was more so pointing out at the fact that um, I just think the Rockets themselves have figured out the solution with the wings. And I think they're moving towards the future of the league and really the future of the playoffs in that you really can't put big men out there who can't play perimeter defense and who can't shoot the three. And so I don't care that they lost Clint Capella because I saw him in those warrior series. I saw him getting abused and he was unplayable at times and he's not a great free throw shooter he wasn't a great offensive threat um he opened up Harden's game but I really like Robert Covington's addition to this team I think it makes it it makes their playoff rotation so unique a lot of teams are not going to be able to match up with them and I I think the Lakers aren't going to match up with them well I think the Clippers match up way better and I, I think the Clippers are favored in that series so that's why they're my favorites to win the playoffs. But I think the Rockets are a contender with Harden and Westbrook, and that's my last point. Well, can, well, can I go ahead and tell you how the Lakers and Rockets series is going to end? And please go ahead and save this clip and then come back to it in two months. The way it's going to end is Lakers have the ball, protecting a four-point lead, and Rockets need to get one stop. It's a minute left in the game. Rockets need one stop. They can get it back to Harden. He can work his magic. Lakers missed the shot. Up, oh, Anthony Davis, offensive rebound. Lakers set it back up. Lakers missed the shot. Up, oh, LeBron, offensive rebound. Lakers set it back up. Oh, they missed the shot. Up, oh, Dwight Howard, offensive rebound. And that's and we're going to sit there and say, man, if the Rockets could have got one rebound on defense against these guys. And that's how, ladies and gentlemen, the Lakers are going to eliminate the Rockets in five games. I said five games. games. I, I, I said it. I said it. Damn. I said it. Look, I'm hip to, you know, I'm hip to, you know, change. The game is evolving. But I still go back to a part of defense in the NBA is you've got to get the rebound. And when playoffs come and, and all 10 guys are crashing the boards, for me, that's still a problem. That is still a problem. And when the Rockets can't get the crucial rebound down the stretch against the Lakers or the Clippers, remember this clip. Hey, man. Hey, I just they win in the championship. I'll just put them in my contenders. <laughs> Look, you can't say they're not contenders with Harden and Westbrook and the roster they have. Okay, they can, they can challenge, they can compete, and a lot of teams like the Jazz or the Nuggets are not going to compete with them. That's my thing. 
I think they're in a league. I think they're in the upper tier. I don't know how. I don't know how competitive they're going to be against the Clippers or the Bucks. I think they're going to be very competitive against the Lakers. But for me, they're in that upper tier. I, I you know, I would put them in that in that second tier. I'd put them in Boston in the pre-contenders category. That's where I'd have. So I'm not. I'm not saying you're way off. I am saying you're a homer, but I'm not saying you're way off. And I, that was really a, a discussion for me there. I was, I was wondering if I should do the homer aspect and put them in the contenders. I think most people would put them in pre-contenders right now. But for me, the fact that they have two legitimate superstars solidifies the contender spot. Oh, man, oh, man. Can we gamble on this? Can we gamble on this live, right. live on the podcast? We'll figure, out, we'll figure out the money bet. But, yes, we have a bet on this. Will you take a bet they do not make the Western Conference Finals? Ooh. And if they're contenders, I have to see matchups first. Whoa, whoa, whoa. If they're such contenders, give me even odds. Okay, fine. But I have to see matchups first, and I have to see oh, I have to see if matchups. they get matched up with the Clippers in the second round. If that's they're good, if, that's if my issue. If they're oh. good, they're good, baby. If they're good, say, they're good. I didn't say maybe in the Clippers, though. <laughs> Oh my God! You see this right here, man. <laughs> I'm just saying. I, I don't know when quarantine will end, but I'll put next round of drinks on the Rockets. <laughs> right, the Rockets do not make the Final Four. They don't make the Conference Finals. Westbrook and Harden will do what they have done every postseason before this. They will melt down. They will wither away. It'll be an LA Conference Finals. LA shouts to Nipsey Hussle. <laughs> Shouts to Kobe. We doing that, it this year. And LA Finals in Orlando, baby. <laughs> Just what we expected. That's right. That's um, right. But yeah. Um, all right. Let's get into some of the final thoughts. Those are my tears. Um, I think you agree with me for the most part. Um, but let's get into the final thoughts regarding our predictions. There's a little bit more we have to get into. This podcast has gone on a long ass time. I'm, I'm just gonna be honest. Um, so we're gonna. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been, been good. good. It's been good. good, good it's, it's it's been good content, except for putting Houston in the same category <laughs> as the Bucks the and the LA teams. But aside from that, it's been good content. Please, yeah. please, please proceed. Um, so things we're interested in. Okay, the race for the eighth seed. Uh, who cares about the East? Um, they're gonna get obliterated by the block Bucks. Whoever wins the eighth seed. Um, but my prediction for the eighth seed this year was going to be the Zelikins, obviously because of Zion. But now that Zion's out, um, I think the Grizzlies might hold on, but my prediction is the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, I think they have the most talent out of the three teams. Um, they've obviously been the least inconsistent, but in the final eight games without any momentum at play here and everything at a restart, I think that really benefits the um, – the Blazers, I think they have, obviously, Damian Lillard, who's been incredible this year. Uh, and so, for me, that pick is the, the the Trailblazers, and I honestly don't think the Lakers really want to see them. Like, they're going to obviously beat them, but that is a tough eight, one eight seed matchup. I'll give you that. I mean, it, it, it's tough as far as 1-8 matchups go. There is potential for a sixth, a sixth game. But the Lakers ain't worried. I mean, this could easily be a five-game series as well. So, all right, I'm gonna throw out a hot take. Don't you say? Don't you go? You ahead. know, you already know what I'm gonna say. I know what you're gonna say. Hot take. Zion plays, and they get the eight seed. The Lakers do not want to see them, and they go and they gonna lose. 
<laughs> Zion is going to win. <laughs> That's my hot take. If Zion is the eighth seed, and I'm not saying the Pelicans, if Zion is the eighth seed, they're winning. That's my hot take. I don't, need, I don't think I need to explain it. You guys already know the take. Zion's that good. Zion is younger than we are. <laughs> this man... I don't even know if he was alive when LeBron's career started. I, well, I guess he was <laughs> two, three years old when LeBron started. He was rocking the he was rocking the baby sneakers, the baby LeBrons. Okay, yeah, bro. are don't you take, being serious right now? Don't are you take skinny Zion for granted. You you, you <laughs> out here you out here riding for Zion and Lonzo over the L.A. Lakers. This is what we're doing. That's my hot take, bro. That's my hot take. Oh, oh yeah, it's hot. Oh, it's oh, hot. Oh. It's fuego. <laughs> yo, yo, it is. It is global warming hot. Okay, that. Mm, 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 hey, mm. at least I prefaced it with super hot take. So you know, at, at least we have somebody on this on this podcast with some hard, <laughs> honest truth, some, some some honest journalism, some honest, rational thoughts, <laughs> honest truth. This guy wants you to believe. Somebody who's not even a millennial. He's he's the generation below millennials is going to take out. <laughs> and that's the disrespect I have towards LeBron. And really, the disrespect I've had toward him his entire career. But, but, but um, you know, again, I told y'all. You know his, why. <laughs> his homerism is not the Rockets. He's a Chicago Bulls fan. And he's upset that the Bulls never made it to the finals with D. Rose. And whose fault is that? LeBron James. I'm and so he upset. has not gotten over it. You're right, and I'm still upset, and you're right. Um, okay, let's move on. Best player on Bad Team Award. Um, who I'm most excited to see is Luca. but considering that I just learned that Phoenix is actually in the bubble, I'm really excited <laughs> to see the Devin Booker play and see what he can do over the past few days. How did they get an invite? <laughs> Look, I was honestly researching his podcast, and I was like, wait, Phoenix is here? Uh, <laughs> I'm confused. I don't know. Um Another but, random – yeah, go ahead. By the way, I, I, I hate that category. You, you know me. I don't believe in best player on bad team. I believe in <laughs> I believe in, in the NBA, a league where half the teams make playoffs, a league where you play offense and defense, a league where there's only five starters. If you've never made playoffs, you're not a best player. Yeah. Okay. So let's preface this with quotes best player – um, but Please. I'm interested in seeing Devin Booker. And I did have a random thought on Devin Booker as I was doing my research for this podcast. Is Devin Booker and Carl Anthony Towns the same exact person? Um, uh, Career-wise? Yeah, here's my argument. They're both just guys who are immensely talented, result in zero wins, and put up great stats. And they're also best friends. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> And they also played know, at Kentucky together. So. Kentucky guys, too. The only difference. The, the only difference I would give it is Carl Anthony Towns, like they've given him some help in Minnesota. He had Jimmy Butler show up. You know, he had um, Andrew Wiggins. He, he had, <laughs> oh, oh, come on. Come on. I know you thought about that one. <laughs> All I'm trying to say, I'm, try, I'm not saying that they gave him the dream team, but I'm saying in comparison to Phoenix – in comparison to Phoenix is what I'm saying. He's had more pe- more help come to Minnesota than what Phoenix has given Devin Booker. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, that's just a random thought I had. A few more random thoughts I've had. Uh, is this LeBron's last great chance at getting a fourth ring? 
does Kawhi become the undisputed number one player if he gets this ring with the third team? Um, is LeBron the undisputed GOAT if he wins this championship? Um, what the hell's the narrative going to be if Westbrook and Harden win, uh, considering that we're all going to put asterisks on it? Oh, my God. Um, Jason Tatum could take the next level. Giannis could take the next level. What about Pascal if he does something crazy? Um, just a lot of, is that so, in this playoffs. And I think we, we even mentioned this, like, at the beginning of the season, right? Like, this is supposed to be the season that was the season of parity. Like, this was going to determine the future of the NBA. And now it has, has an asterisk, so. You know, there's a lot to dissect there. I, I So, for me, the LeBron angle is, is probably the most fun to start with, right? The question becomes, if he doesn't do it this year, do you think he's going to win it at age 37? And if he does, will he still be the Lakers' best player at age 37? And if he's not, that's going to taint the, the GOAT legacy, right? But if he wins a fourth one this year, look, I'm going to tell you – the I think the nation's going to be split as far as Jordan versus LeBron because the counter argument, even though I think we're both Jordan guys, the counter argument is going to be: uh, Would you want twenty years of LeBron or would you want twelve years of Mike? Yeah. Uh, now and the Mike would, argument, you know, really, yeah, the Mike argument really depends on peak years, right? Like, and that's a that's a yeah. tough argument to sell. Um, and I don't know if four it, yeah. is necessarily better than six, but four is a lot better than three. <laughs> no, and that's the thing is that when the gap is six versus three, you can't really explain your way out of it. Yeah. When the gap is six versus four, and that's, six that's where five. you start to you yeah. start to rationalize. You start to make these little arguments that you wouldn't make if it was six versus three. Yeah. You know, and so for me, being a LeBron fan, I'm rooting for him this year because I want LeBron to have a seat at the table. And in my personal opinion, you got to have the championships to get to the table. Jordan has six, Kobe has five, Magic has five, Kareem has six. For me, LeBron getting number four, when you put that, when you juxtapose with what he's done as an individual for 20 years, at that point, I'm like, yes, I will sign off second best ever, you know, in the debate for best ever. But I want to see that fourth ring. And honestly, again, when I see LeBron standing up for, uh, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement, and, and I know Jordan is Mr. Republicans buy shoes too, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I am patient. I'm waiting to make LeBron goat arguments. I just can't make them yet, not with three rings. Yeah, and I think a lot of us are. Obviously, I'm not because I don't like the guy. But, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I think a lot of us are. Um, uh, so, yeah, uh, those are just some random thoughts I had about the bubble. Um, I do want to make a prediction about the MVP of the bubble. And again, it's going to be a homer pick. Um, oh, God. Oh, what God. What I've seen out of Russell Westbrook the past uh, few weeks, he's been fantastic. He's really uh, taken a step in his game and his development and his IQ. He's um, he stopped shooting those dumb three pointers. He's started attacking the rim. He's. He's honestly been unstoppable. And the reason why the Rockets haven't been good is because of James Harden. So the guys I do want to look at in terms of MVP of the bubble is not guys like LeBron or Harden or Giannis. It's the secondary guys on these teams. Um, so that's why I shouted out Russ. Um, and I do want to look at guys like Russ, AD, PG, um, Dante DiVincenzo, uh, <laughs> 
Um, and before Zion had left the bubble, he was probably going to be my other homer pick because I think what he's about to do is going to shock the league. But again, these are homer picks, so I don't really know. Yeah. yeah. Well, know. <laughs> and, and I do think that, like, as much as we talk about there being an asterisk, I think that whoever wins the championship this year, it's going to be their league heading into next season, right? So I think that we are ready to crown uh, Giannis. So if he wins a championship, it's his league. I think at the same token, we're, we're ready to say LeBron is the GOAT. So if he, if he wins a championship heading into year 18, it's his league. If, if James Hart – so we can say Ashley all we want in 20 years, but I do think that heading into next season – we're going to say best player alive is whoever won it this year. Yeah. And so that's really who's going to be the MVP of the bubble because they're going to come out of this thing being the best player in the league. Mm-hmm. Although there is going to be that question mark with KD returning, but they're going to have it for at least the next four or five months. Oh, easily. The championships and probably longer. But, but here's the thing. They're going to have it until we're petty. All of us are. We're not letting that go. Yeah. So, uh, and like you said, watch out for Kawhi. Mm. Yeah. Um, mm. <laughs> so let's end it here. The playoff predictions. Um, I'll give mine first and then you can give yours. Um, I'll start with the East. It's pretty easy for me. I think it's the Bucks. And yeah, there's a chance that Boston or Philly gives them some problems, but they dealt with them pretty handedly last year. And the Celtics to me, just haven't taken that next step in terms of team production, despite the fact that Jason Tatum has taken that next step. Um, they still have holes in the roster. They still don't have a great big man to help them. And they're still playing guys like Cantor who can't play much defense. Um, so the Celtics to me just don't have enough yet. Um, so the Bucks are an easy pick to come out of the East for me. The West is a lot harder because I'm just not convinced that the Lakers are as good as they are. Not convinced of the Clippers chemistry. And obviously, as much as I am a homer of the Rockets, they have been super inconsistent and they beat themselves constantly. Um, And so it's hard to pick a team that defeats itself. So ultimately, I'm going to go with the Clippers, despite the fact that I think the Rockets are better than the Lakers, the Clippers are better than the Rockets and the Lakers are better than the Clippers. Um, I think by the marginal difference, I think the Clippers are the best team out of the three, Um, even though the Lakers will probably beat the Clippers if they play. Um, But I don't know. We'll see. My pick, uh, without regard to matchup right now, is the Clippers. And then ultimately, with Kawhi, I think he – I think their team is just better than Milwaukee's. I think Kawhi is probably the better player, more consistent player, um, better playoff player, at least, than Giannis. And so, for me, it's Clippers over Milwaukee in six. So, I'm going to give you my final four. My final four is Milwaukee, Boston, L.A., and L.A., right? For me in basketball, I am big on, at least at the NBA level, is who's got the best duo and do they have some decent help around them, right? Do you have the best duo and do you have help around you? So, my one exception is Boston, right? I'm kind of putting them there as a vote of confidence in Jason Tatum, a vote, in, a vote of confidence in Brad Stevens. But the other three make sense, right? I mean, Giannis is arguably best player alive. LeBron, arguably best player alive. And then Kawhi, arguably best, best player alive. So that's my final four. 
I'm going to go ahead and go Milwaukee Bucks over the Boston Celtics. I hate to say it. Bucks over Celtics. I'm going to say six games. And if Giannis doesn't get it done, I do need to see some accountability uh, before we anoint Giannis. If he can't win this year's East, there is no LeBron in the East this year. It's time for him to step up and win the East. I'm going to go Bucks in six uh, over Boston, and I'm going to go Lakers over Clippers in seven games. Once we get to the finals, again, I like veterans. I like veterans, grown men, and I like the fact that L.A.'s duo is better than whoever uh, Giannis' second, uh, second best teammate is. So I'm going to go ahead and say Lakers over the Bucks. Again, I'm going to say six games. Giannis, he's good, but it's kind of a one-man show once you talk about championship-level basketball. If it's regular season, hey, Chris Middleton, do your thing. But do I trust him to be, to be the second fiddle to a championship team? Personally, I don't. I'm going to go Lakers over Bucks in six games in the finals. LeBron gets his fourth championship, and I can't wait to start dissing MJ. All right, guys. That's the end of our review preview of the NBA bubble life, hashtag 2020, um, whatever we're going to call it. Thank you, Corey, for joining us on this long podcast. We had to do it. We had to. You know, we had to do our thing on the NBA bubble. The NBA is almost here. It's been four months. So even though it's a longer podcast than usual, um, I'm glad we did it. Yeah, I'm right there with you, man. And don't forget, again, my final four, rewind rewind this track, run it back again. You know what I'm saying? It's Milwaukee, Boston, L.A., and L.A. I'm going four for four, I promise. (laughs) I I promise. Four for four. And he picked – and don't forget, he picked the Lakers in six – I picked the Clippers in six, so we both have an L.A. champion. We just don't know which L.A. champion it's going to be. Oh, um, we know. <laughs> you know. We can pretend we don't. Um, but thank you, everyone, for listening. This is a podcast about some things. Follow us on all the social, social media apps, including Twitter, Instagram. Check out our website. Um, we'll get, we got some new content coming out soon, including – the Homer's Guide to the Pocket Rockets by yours truly, Amon. That's going to include some clips, some good writing. I've been reviewing all the Rockets games um, since they traded Clint Capella, uh, and I'm going to write an article about it. Corey's been working on a Drake article reviewing or ranking his top albums and his top songs, and he's about to write a blog post on that. So we got stuff coming out on the music end. We got stuff coming out on the basketball end. AJ's probably going to work on some Twitter stuff regarding Giannis and his stuff. So we got some Twitter stuff coming out. Uh, Make sure you guys check us out. Check out the Twitter clips and we throw them out. If you guys have any suggestions, tweet at us, rate us, comment, like. I don't know. I'm just rambling right now. Let's end this thing. All right, thank you guys for joining us, and that's it. Peace.